All right, good, good, good. Uh, it's been a, I don't know about you, but it's been a uh, busy week uh, here at Grace. We um, actually, on Friday, we had our car show. And by the way, I just want to say thank you to all of you who brought out your sweet cars, way cooler than mine vehicles um, for us to, to drool over. Um, we had our car show up at the Fremont campus, but, uh, but a lot of tipping people. You guys pulled your weight, brought your sweet cars, and uh, just want to say thank you for that. I saw a bunch of you guys over there too, so I uh, just had a fun time. Hopefully you guys were able to make it. Uh, this Today, as, as AJ was just talking about, uh, we are wrapping up our series called Sola, and uh, for the last five weeks, we have been going through uh, kind of the five core essential uh, beliefs of Christianity, okay? And so uh, the word sola, it simply means alone, okay? It's a Latin word. We get this all from church history, and, and it just means alone. So picture this as like the five alones. And so the statement that we've been going through for the last few weeks is this. According to Scripture alone, through faith alone, we are saved by grace alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. And so the last few weeks we've been going through and we've been breaking each one of these down, trying to figure out exactly what this means uh, for our life specifically and also for us as a church. And, um, and let me just say this, just because a, a church calls itself Christian, okay, that does not mean that they believe in each one of these um, core beliefs of Christianity, okay? There are churches all over the place, all over, there are churches all over Tiffin that uh, would not believe in a, lot, in a lot of these. The first week we talked about scripture and uh, we specifically talked about the Catholic Church, which is kind of where all this happens from, from an event called the Reformation and all this stuff where we get these, um, and, uh, and we're, we're just pointing out and saying, hey, this is all, you know, we get these from the Bible, right? This, this is where it happens. And so, and so just because a church uh, calls himself a Christian church or maybe even has Christian church within their name, that does not mean that they believe in each one of these. And so we just got to watch out for that. But, uh, but like I said, the first week we started talking about Scripture alone, okay? This is the foundation of all the rest of them, okay? This is where we get uh, faith alone and grace alone and Christ alone and God's glory alone. This is where it all comes from. The Bible is like our anchor. Like the Bible is what, is what keeps us straight because every single one of us, we all have the tendency to get off course and to go away from truth, okay? We're all like this. It's just kind of our human nature. And the Bible is what keeps us going down the right road or going down the right path. Um, again, it's the foundation. That's why here at Grace, we go through the Bible every single week, okay? Because this is, we believe this is God's word and God's word is truth. And our response to that truth is, should be our faith, our faith alone. Right? That's how we become saved. That's how we, we start our relationship with Jesus is through our faith. We do not in any way Find favor with God when it comes to our when it comes to being saved or going to heaven. We do not in any way find favor with God from being a good person. Okay, it's kind of the exact opposite of what everybody seems to to believe. We all have this kind of notion in our minds where it's like, hey, if I'm you know I was really good to that person, I was really nice to this person, that person drives me crazy, so I get like extra points for that. You know, and we we have this like view that if we're when we live our life right, we live our life really good, that God looks down on us. He's like, man, okay, yeah, you're definitely saying, oh, you definitely going to heaven. But what are we doing? We're comparing ourselves with the person next to us, right? I mean, we're not comparing ourselves to God's standard, which we all fail miserably, okay? So our, our response 
to the truth that we find in the Bible is through our faith. And in reality, we are saved by God's grace alone that he pours out onto us, okay, not our good stuff. And he did that through what Jesus did on the cross alone, not through anybody else. And now we get to live for God's glory alone. Okay, and so we've been going through, we've been breaking each one of these down, and uh, now the most of us, uh, if we think about this, for God's glory, um, we don't think about God's glory very often, right? I mean, probably most of us, we didn't wake up this morning going, man, I wonder what God's glory is like, like God's glory is crazy, you know, super, you know, like we don't think about that, okay? I actually did this morning, but that was because I'm teaching about it, and so I was like trying to, trying to fix, my, fix my message in bed. But that didn't work that well. You'll find out. Um, but anyway, we don't think about God's glory, right? We think of our glory. We do that a lot. We think, about, we think about what we want, right? We want recognition. We want respect. We want praises from everybody. We want this at work. We want it at school as a coach. We want it, you know, we want it from our players. We want it from our parents. We want it from our community. We want it at home. We want it from our family. See, we spend our life looking for glory, or looking for praise, or looking for worship, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we want people to look up to us. We want people to listen to us. We want people to respect us. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take the spotlight that we always have on us, and I want to shift that real quick over uh, to God's glory. I want to take the spotlight off ourselves. I want to shift it over to God and, um, and focus on that for maybe about 30 minutes, okay? You guys good? You guys with me? That's the plan. I'm telling you straight up. So, all right. Um, I think many of us, and let me explain this first. I think a lot of us, we have this view of God, okay, where we view him as simply a friend, Right, like God's a friend, he's a good guy, almost like our homeboy, you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, God's up there, yeah, God, we're cool, you know, I'm, I'm good with you and you're good with me and everything's good. Some of us review God as like a dad that we can kind of pal around with and, and uh, others of us, maybe we view God maybe not as approachable as that. Maybe we view God as kind of the old man up in the sky, he's all loving. And he's all forgiving, and so we can really do whatever we want. He doesn't care all that much, and when we do wrong, in fact, some of us, we think of God as like, when we do wrong, he's up in heaven sitting on his chair, and he just kind of chuckles at us like, oh, that's so cute, you know. That's how we view God. Now, I'm not saying that God is not your friend, okay. We see in the Bible that God wants to be our friend. He wants to have a relationship with us. But I think too many of us, we narrow our view of God down to that one single aspect of God, of, hey, God's my friend, so we're all good, so everything's all good. And it changes kind of the way that we view God. And when we narrow our view of God down to that one aspect, there's kind of two things here. Number one, from what I've seen, somehow we just lose respect for God. We lose respect for him. Ah, he's a friend. He doesn't care. But number two, we, are, we actually miss out on actually knowing God. And one of the main parts that we miss out on is his glory. At one time, Moses, um, this is pretty crazy, in Exodus chapter 33, we see the story where Moses, he, by the way, God describes Moses as a friend of God. So that's pretty cool. All right, Moses, good for, good for him. Um, hope God would describe me that way. Uh, but, uh, but God and Moses, they're, they're, they're talking. Moses just kind of straight, straight up asks them. He says, hey, God, I want to see your glory. 
All right, can I see that? Um, let, let's, let's see what that looks like, God. And God, you know, Moses, he just straight up asked, which is a good question. That I, that's, I would like to see that, you know. I don't know about you. But, um, but God, he, he looks at, well, he's there. But he's, he tells Moses, he says, okay, here's the plan. I'm going to show you, I'm going to pass by you with all of my goodness. Now, it's interesting to me that God uses that word. Right? Because God could have used any word that he wanted. He could have said, hey, yeah, Moses, all right, I'm going to pass by you with all of my power or with all of my, you know, holiness or with all of my wisdom or with all of my strength or with all, you know, my unapproachable light. He could have used any of that, but he doesn't. He says, you know what, Moses, I'm going to pass by you with all of my goodness. But they're up on this mountain. He says, what I want you to do, I want you to go hide in this, like, it's like a crevice of a rock, kind of like a little cave or something crack. He's like, I want you to go hide in that because that'll help shield you from my, from my glory. Because Moses, if you were to see me in my glory, you would die. He's like, I don't think you know what you're asking for. Right? No human, he says, can see me and live. So you hide in this, in this little crack. All right, what I'm going to do is as I pass by, I'm going to put my hand over, over that little entrance to the cave. I'm going to put my hand over that as I pass by with all my goodness. And then once I'm past you, I will take my hand away and you will be able to see the trail end of my glory. And that will be enough for you to handle. Like you might not die if you see the tail end of it. All right. Isn't that crazy to think about? Like that's not the God that we think about very much. That's not how we view God. We view, he's not the God who's sitting up there on some old rocking chair, you know, chuckling at all the little funny bad things that, that we do. Now, he sits on the throne of the universe, and he's surrounded by deadly glory, like literally. And he has got countless angels. The Bible tells us singing, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the throne room actually shakes with their worship to him. That's what's happening. And John actually describes this for us. We see John. John was one of Jesus' like top guys. Actually, John describes, well, this comes from John himself, but he describes himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Okay, so take that for what it's worth. But, uh, but John uh, was one of Jesus' like top three followers, let's say, or top three, three friends when he was doing his ministry for three years and um, before he was put to death. And John, at the end of his life, he's, you know, he's lived his whole life. At this point, he's an old man. He's been banished by the Roman government to this little island called Patmos. And uh, John tells us that on a Sunday morning, you know, it's probably a normal Sunday for him. He wakes up. He does whatever John does. Maybe he reads his Bible. Maybe he reads the paper. You know, he brushes his teeth. He eats breakfast. And then maybe he brushes his teeth. I don't know what happens. But all of a sudden, he turns around and bam, he's in the throne room of God. And he writes this stuff down. God actually tells him, write down what you see. And when he's there, he describes this for us. We see this in Revelation chapter 1. He says, yeah, I was looking over and Jesus was sitting on the throne and he was dressed in this robe. And this robe was super white. It was like, it was crazy. It was the whitest thing I've ever seen. He, he's trying to describe exactly what he saw, but he's only got the Greek, you know, language to work with. And then beyond that, he's only got like what he's ever seen here on earth. So he's trying to describe something that we've never seen before that he's like, I don't know, this is like the closest thing. He says his robe was super white, like the whitest thing I've ever seen before. He says it's whiter than like the whitest snow. It was crazy. And it was super bright. And he's got this golden sash across his chest. He talks about his hair. He's like, his hair was bright white too. And his eyes, he says, were, was like fire. 
Like it was like flames. It was, it was crazy. He said his skin was like red hot bronze or red hot metal. And, you know, again, here he is. He's just trying to describe something that people can understand. Like it was kind of like, like bronze, but think of a bronze like in a furnace. Like that's kind of like what his skin looked. You know, that's the closest thing that he could think of. And he says his face, man, his face was like the brightest thing I've ever seen. Way brighter than the sun. He says his voice was like a huge wave, like a huge waterfall. That's what his voice sounded like. How many of you guys have ever been to Niagara Falls? It's only five hours away. All right, it's a good trip. You could, you could do that in a day if you wanted to. A long day. But uh, you should go sometime. That Niagara Falls, huge waterfall. Like, we all know what it is. Um, how many of you guys have ever uh, done, like, the Maid of the Mist boat or, I don't know. I think this one is called Misty Maid. I don't know. You guys know what I'm talking about? The boat? Where you go like right in front. Okay, so I've done that a few times now. And um, it's funny because you get on there, they give you their, your, like your poncho, and you still get soaked. Your shoes get soaked because your poncho is draining on your shoes, which is annoying. And so you're there, you're, cram- you're like crammed into this boat, and, um, and you're, you're, you're with whoever you're with. But when you get close to the waterfall, you can't like hear what someone next to you is talking you know, you can't hear what they're saying. It's so loud. Like, the roar of it is so loud that, uh, that, that it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's hard to communicate with people that are standing right next to you. That's like what John's trying to describe here. He's like, dude, this, his voice, like, he's trying to describe Jesus' voice up in heaven. He's like, his voice was like, he says, the sound of many waters. Like, it was like a huge tidal wave type sound or like a waterfall type sound, just deep. And, and you know, it's just, you know, just this kind of rumbling noise, but he was talking. It's like the closest he could think of. Then he describes the throne room. And at first I was just going to describe kind of what he says, but I don't think I'll do it justice. And so we'll just, I'm just going to read basically the whole chapter besides one verse. Uh, Revelation chapter 4, this is another time when he gets to go real similar. Um, But he says, immediately, I was in the spirit, and there was a stone in heaven, and someone was seated on it. He says, the one seated there had the appearance of jasper in a carnelian stone, okay? I I don't know if you guys know what a jasper stone is. I didn't know, so I had to look it up on Google. And uh, it's basically like a red, like ruby, emerald, well, that's like green, I think. It's like a red stone, okay? So kind of the similar, he's describing the skin or the arms, face, like in a different way than before. Um, he's describing the same thing as the red hot, you know, bronze in a furnace. He's saying, it was like, like Jasper. Maybe that's another way of describing it. He says, it was like a rainbow. There was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. So like this green glow that surrounded the throne. It just kind of emitted from the throne. He says, around the throne. There were 24 thrones. I counted them up. And on the throne sat 24 elders. And they were all dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their heads. He says, flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, they actually came from the throne. He's like, this throne, like Jesus is sitting there, and this throne is like emitting, like he's just leaking power type of thing. It's just lightning and thunder is happening as he's sitting there on this throne. He's like, it's crazy. And then seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, I had to look this up, and I had to do some study on this, because this was a little complicated. I was like, I don't know what that is. And, uh, and scholars uh, view this kind of two different ways. I'm not sure which one's right. But uh, either this is either the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about that in a little bit, uh, standing or, you know, before God, or this is seven 
you know, angelic beings or seven angels before God. It doesn't really matter to me, but John's just trying to describe this. He's like, this is like fire things, and, and they're there, and they're praising God, and it's crazy. Okay, that's all we need to know. He says, something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. He's like, dude, even the floor was sweet, you know? He's like, the floor was like glass or crystal, and it was just like the whole thing. It was crazy. He's like, there were also, before the throne, he says, there are four living creatures that were covered in, I don't know, it looked like eyes to me. Were they eyes? I don't know, but that's just kind of what they look like. It's the closest thing I could think of to describe these things. He says, four living creatures that were covered with eyes in front and in the back, all over the place, were around the throne on each side. He says the first living creature was kind of like a lion. Uh, It's the closest thing I could think of. And the second living creature was kind of like an ox. And the third living creature had a face like a man, but it wasn't a man, but it was a man. It was crazy. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. He says each of the four living creatures had six wings and they were covered with those eyes. Remember those eyes? He's like, the eyes were crazy. He's going back to the eyes. He's like, eyes. There's eyes all around. They look like eyes. Again, the skin looked like eyes. It It was crazy. Around and on the inside. He says, day and night, those creatures, they never stop saying, holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. He says, whenever the living creatures, whenever they give glory, honor, and thanks, the one seated on the throne, by the way, the one who lives forever and ever. He says, the 24 elders, you know what they did? They fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns. They just throw their crowns before the throne. And they say... Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. He's like, it was crazy. Like, I don't know how to describe this to you, and I'm not doing a good job of describing this to you. But John's like, man, man, you know, you had, you had these, like, these fiery things, and you had these angels there, and then you had these 24 people, elders there, and, and everybody's in these creatures, and everybody's there. And it's like, everybody can't help but give glory to God. See, it's crazy to think about to me that right now, this minute, this is what's going on. Yeah, we're sitting here right now going on this very minute. God is surrounded by his own glory. And I feel like when we realize what this all looks like, it gives us a better picture of what it meant for Jesus to come down here to earth. Right, last week I was talking to you about how um, when we go on a trip, I hate stopping with my boys because, they, you know, they have to go to the bathroom. And we, I hate stopping at like a rest stop or like a truck stop. Remember when I was talking to you about this? Yeah, it's just nasty. Everything in there is like wet, you know, it just is. I don't know how to, you just, just haven't been clean for a long time. And my kids touch everything, and you're just like, stop touching, don't touch that. Oh, don't touch that. You know, it's like that. Get off the floor, you know, whatever. And so I make them go with Kate. I talked to you about that last week. Um, I seriously think that heaven, okay, angels, everybody in heaven, I think they view earth this way. Not because the earth is dirty necessarily, but because the earth, I mean, it's just sinful and evil here. Like we all have this sin nature, we all, we all are selfish, we all want glory for ourselves, everything's about us individually. I mean, it's just sinful and nasty, and I told you how maybe someday, and I don't know, this isn't in the Bible, this is just me thinking, right, because I think weird. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe on uh, year zero or wh- whatever year it was, you know, Christmas Eve, maybe Jesus looks at his watch and says, Makes an announcement. He says, hey, it's almost Christmas. You know, I said this last week. And, and he's like, I'm going in. 
You know, let's go. I'm going in. And Angel's like, don't do it. You're going down there. You can't go down there. That place is, that place is nasty. You don't want to go down there. Jesus, we looked at over there. It's, it's not good. And Jesus is like, yeah, actually, I'm going, and I'm going to become one of them. And they're just like, oh, don't get any on you. You know, like, don't let them, don't, don't touch them. You know, it's like that type of thing. See, those are the two differences. You got, you got truck stop bathroom of a planet that we live on, and then you got the throne room of God. Complete opposite places. See, Paul describes for us, he says, you know what Jesus did when he left the throne room and went down to the truck stop bathroom? Okay, you know what he did? He says he emptied himself of what? Of his glory. Crazy to think about, right? Like he has all this glory all around him. It just kind of emits from him. He's like, you know what? I'm going to set this glory aside here. I don't want it to get dirty. You know, I don't know. But he's like, I'm going to set this aside here, and I'm going down, and I'm going down there to that nasty place. I mean, think about that for a second. Like God of the universe who for eternity has been worshipped and for eternity has received glory. Like everything that's going on in heaven, he takes off, of his, he takes off his glory and he goes down to the dirt to save us as a rescue mission. To become one of us. And he spent roughly 33 years telling people to get right with God. And in the end, we killed him. Crazy to think about. Because actually the night before he dies, he, um, did you know he actually talks about his glory? He talks about, he talks about that. Uh, they're in Jerusalem. And uh, he, again, this is, he's about to get arrested that very night. And he's in the, what we call the upper room. He's in the second story room. And, and he, they've already done the last supper thing. And, and so he's just spending time with his disciples. He's kind of giving them their last pep talk. And actually Jesus tells them, he says, hey, I've been waiting for this moment for so long that it's just us. And I can talk to you. And I can really just pour into you before the end. Okay. And they have no idea what's about to happen. Actually, Judas has already left the room. So it's only... There's only, he's only got the 11 disciples now. Judas has already left the room. And while he's talking to them, Judas is trying to figure out a way to betray him or figure out a way to arrest him that very night. Okay, so that's what's going on. And so Jesus, he's talking to these 11 guys, and he's just, he's just pouring into them. He's, t- he's encouraging them. All right, he's, he's telling them, hey, you guys got to be courageous. You don't know what's about to happen. Like, things are about, things are about to go down, and I need you guys to, to act this way. Okay. And John, he's actually one of the guys there. John that we already talked about that at the end of his life, he's banished to Patmos. But here, John's like in his 20s. So this is way before that. He's with Jesus. John's one of those guys. And John records for us, because he's there, a time, really at the end of this, where Jesus prays. He's finished talking to his disciples here, and he begins to pray. By the way, before we look at this, I feel like I need to explain this a little bit. Um. You ever wonder why Jesus prayed? And by the way, he prayed a lot. You ever wonder why? Like, think about it. If Jesus is God, who's he praying to? Himself? Like, how's that all work? What's going on there? You ever think about that? The um, thing we got to understand is that Jesus had a unique nature where he's fully God and fully man, fully human. Okay? So complicated. Do I understand it? No, I don't at all. Okay? But. He's 100% God, 100% man. We also know that in the Bible, 
that God exists in three persons, okay? So this is not three gods. It's one God existing in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, um, and it's, this, it's this kind of term we use to describe it, which is the term the Trinity. This is what we call it. But the word Trinity is technically not even in the Bible, uh, but, uh, but it's a word to describe the concept that we see throughout the Bible. Does that make sense? Like there was no word. We invented a word to try to describe it. Now, God in three persons. Do I understand it? No, not at all. Am I okay with understanding it? Yeah, I am, okay? Um, think about this way. This is how I reason it in my head. Um, logically, if God is real, it makes sense that there would be parts about God that I wouldn't understand because I'm only human. Does that make sense? Logically, right? I don't want to worship a God that I can fully understand because that would make me on the same level as God. And so logically, that's how it should be. And here's one of the ways that we see that. I don't understand the Trinity. I don't understand how it works. The Bible tells us this is how it is. And so I believe it, but I don't get it, and I'm okay with it. Okay, so when we look at Jesus' life, we see that he spends a lot of time talking with the Father and talking about the Holy Spirit, okay? We, we just see, like, they're, they're parts of him. And he's in constant communication. And we can see that his number one relationship is with the other two persons of the Trinity, of, of himself, in that sense. And so here it is. He's already given this big pep talk to his, to his boys, all right? And here he is. He's, he's sitting there, and he takes time to finish up he talks with God, and John records this for us because he's there standing there watching and listening. He says this in verse 1, John chapter 17, verse 1. He says, Jesus, he spoke these things, right? That's when he was talking to his disciples. And then he looked up to heaven, and he said, hey, Father, the hour has come. The time is here. He says, glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Since you, God, gave him, Jesus talking about himself, authority over all people so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. All right, so what's Jesus saying here? Jesus saying, hey, God, it's time. He's like, this is it. The hour has come, all right, or the time has come where all this stuff, the whole reason why I came here is all about to go down, okay? Jesus knows he's about to die on the cross, and when he does that, God's going to pour out his wrath on himself, on Jesus. And he knows he's about to take that all. And so he's like, it's time. He says, I'm ready for my glory back. I want my glory back, and God, when you give me my glory back, or Father, when you give me back my glory, I'm going to glorify you. Like, I'm going to give you glory. Now, this right here gets deep, okay? So focus in here for a second. Try to explain what's going on. The glory that Jesus is referring to here is the glory that he had, like that picture, the idea of the throne room up in heaven that John talks about, right? It's that glory. And he's going to achieve that glory in a unique, unimaginable way that nobody would have ever guessed. He is going to be glorified through dying. It's the complete opposite of what any of us would ever think naturally. See, his death is going to prove once and for all that the amount of his love and grace that he has for us, okay? This is God, he, God isn't just talk, right? He comes down and he lives a perfect life and he, he proves his love and his grace that he has for us. Um, and, and it's kind of hard to understand, but just, just try me here real quick. The God of the universe, who's in that throne room, in that scene, he, he empties himself of his glory. He comes down to earth, and he doesn't just 
show us, or he doesn't, let me say this, he doesn't just tell us how much he loves us and cares about us and, and how much he wants a relationship with us. He shows us and he proves it through his action, and his action that he proves it through is his death. That's what brings him glory. And it was through that action that he offers us what Jesus says, eternal life. Well, what the heck is that, right? Eternal life's just, we get to be in heaven with him someday, forever, actually, eternally. Or we get to be with him. But it's actually more than we get to be with him. He's it's gone deeper than this, way deeper than that. It's we get to know him. All right? It's pretty sweet. Pretty cool. So Jesus, he explains this real quick kind of in this prayer. And then he defines how we get that eternal life. And in the next verse, in verse 3, he says, this is eternal life. That they, by the way, who's they? Us. Okay. That they, that we, uh, may know you, he says, the only true God and the one who you have sent, Jesus Christ. Basically, Jesus is like, and you know how they get that? It's through what I'm about to do. They get to know you, Father, through me. All right? It's crazy. Next verse. He says, I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work that you have given me to do. He's like, hey, I finished it up. I wrapped it up. I'm, I'm basically done here. This is the end. He says, now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory that I had with you before the world even existed. So basically here he's saying, hey, you know, just to make it, just to sum it all up. He's saying, hey, Father, I want my glory back, that glory that I had before the world existed. And when you give me that glory back, and I can't wait to get that glory back, I'm going to give you glory, God, through dying tomorrow. So these people, he's with his disciples and, you know, even us here today, so these people can know you through me. And by the way, God, I, I, I want my glory back. He kind of ends it. He's like, I want my glory. And at the end, he's like, and I want my glory, All right. He's tired of, you know, living here in, in, in the truck stop bathroom. Okay. So really what this does is this gives us a sneak peek of the relationship between the Father and Jesus. Both are giving glory to each other, and they've been doing this since eternity, forever. Something else I can't understand. Right? They show each other love, and they show each other glory, and they've been doing this to each other Forever. And at the end of the prayer, which is super cool, Jesus actually prays for us. All right? Check this out. He says, in verse 22, he says, you know what? I have given them, who's them? Us, okay? The group of people who meets at 1515 County Road 1, Tiffin, Ohio. All right. He says, I've given them the glory that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. He's praying for our unity. He says, Father, I want those you have given to be with me, or given me to be with me where I am, so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you love me before the world's foundation. Through this, I mean, let me just stop for a second. Um, let me give a disclaimer real quick. I haven't thought this next statement all the way through, okay, but I think it's right. But, uh, I've, you know, I've studied this a whole bunch, and this just got me thinking kind of a different way. Uh, but, but so not probably something you want to hear from your pastor, but I'm pretty sure. Okay. So check this out. It seems like we weren't necessarily created so that God can receive more glory. Okay. I'll explain that. Because God already received glory before we even existed. Okay. He had perfect glory without us. 
Right? We don't really have any part in that, and we don't really add to that necessarily, although, although we do. Although I am saying that we should give glory to God, okay? We 100% should give glory to God because he deserves it, not because he needs it, all right? It's almost like what we see here in this, in this prayer that Jesus gives, it's almost like we were created so that he could share his glory with us. Now, why does he want to do that? I don't know. But that's what he's talking about here. Now, think about this. What's that all mean for me? Well, we should give glory to God. Okay? And every single one of us, we're not good at it. There is no person in this room, including myself, we are not good at giving glory to God. All of us in here, we have this like inner battle going on where we want glory for ourselves all the time. It's constant. It's a part of who, who we are. I mean, the Bible would call it, it's our sin nature working within us. I mean, think about it this way. Have you ever had it where somebody has criticized you or said something that you didn't appreciate about you and, uh, and it just like really angers you in the fact that you just can't stop thinking about it? You're like, oh man, I should have said that. And man, if I heard them say that, I would say this and they're wrong. You, know, you ever, ever do that? Okay, yeah, we all do. Um, what's going on there? We're focused on our glory. Okay? Have you ever looked in the mirror and not like what you've seen? You are focused on your glory. All right, think about that. All right, have, um, have you ever said anything negative about somebody else? We all do this. As Christians, actually, we're really sneaky and sly when we do this. You know what I'm talking about? We wrap it in a few compliments, but then we have, like, the dagger inside where it's like, oh, yeah, I really like her. She's doing this, this, this. But did you hear about that? You know, we wrap it up nice. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay, all right. We do that. Um, so, it, you know, we, we wrap it up like that. And so we try to hide our negative comment. But whenever we say anything negative about somebody else, it doesn't matter if it's true or not, okay? Even if it's true, let's say that. Even if it's true, all right, the, what, what are we doing? What we end up doing is we kind of push them down in front of other people while we elevate ourselves up. And what are we doing? We are focused on our glory. It ain't right. We want glory for ourselves. We want the recognition. We want the praise. Sometimes we're just like, you know what? I just want to be thanked for what I do, you know? We want the thanks. We want people to be impressed with us. You know, one thing that I started doing, because I'm a really smart dad, is, uh, and my kids don't, sometimes don't eat. You ever have that, parents, where your kids didn't eat, and you're just like, what is wrong with you? You know, this is why you're small. You know, this, <laughs> like, this is why you're short. Come on, man. All right. So it's like that type of thing. I don't know if that's true, but that's why I tell my boys, <laughs> come on, you're going to build some muscle. All right. So um, what I started doing, I got my six-year-old and my three-year-old, what I started doing to help them, you know, eat and build their competitive spirit, which I love, all right, because I'm competitive, is, uh, is what we, what, you know, we'll be at the table after we pray. I'll start, like, digging in. So let's say it's like carrots or potatoes or something. You know, I'll eat all my carrots, and, I'll be, and I started saying, so a few years ago, I started saying, I won the carrot race, you guys lost, you know, that type of thing. I'm just trying to get them to eat, man. I don't care if I won the carrot race. And then I eat my potatoes, I'm like, I won the potato race. Man, you got, you got a second. Man, you lost big time, you know, that type of thing. And so now every meal is turned in out of control. It's like a disaster now when we eat. It's like a whirlwind of food and yelling at each other because of this. And whenever we eat, my boys, 
they, like, after we're done praying, I mean, they start digging in on the one food group that they're going to win at or whatever. And it's like, well, I won the carrot race. Well, no, I won the potato race. Well, I won the milk race. You know, it's like all this stuff. Now everything is a race. They eat it. Good for me. But, uh, but everybody, you know, but it's not like pleasant sitting there, everybody yelling at each other. No, I finished before you. No, I still got it. You know, whatever. We're always focused on ourselves. Right? Like, this is, this is not something we had to teach people. Like, we naturally, like, buy into that. Paul, he tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, whether you eat or drink, it doesn't matter. He says, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. He's like, you should be living your life in such a way that you are giving glory to God, not yourself. Be focused on giving glory to God and only God and God alone. I mean, think about it this way. You know what Satan's problem is? You know what his issue is? I mean, think about it. Satan. Satan was once a good guy, okay? He was uh, like an angelic being at one point as an angel. Uh, he was probably the most beautiful and probably most powerful being maybe that God has ever created. And, um, and then he rebelled against God because he wanted glory for himself. He didn't want to worship God. He wanted to be worshiped. And so God threw him down. Actually, Jesus, he tells his disciples once, he says, man, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. See, naturally as Christians, I mean, we're like, yeah, Satan's, Satan's bad, God's good. You know, we think of Satan as like, yeah, Satan's like the worst. He's real bad. I'm not like Satan. But we have the exact same desire within us that Satan has. It's the same sin. It's the same issue. We want glory. We want recognition. We want praise. And we live our life looking for more and more and more and more. And this is just how we live. Let me think about it. What would it look like at work? Just think through this with me. What would it look like at work if you spent your time trying to give glory to God rather than yourself? How would that change the way that you work? How would that change the way that you act? How would that change the way you talk about other people? How would that change you? Or what if, you know, if you, what would it look like if you spent your time trying to give glory to God rather than yourself at home? Or what about at that restaurant or in that store? What would it look like if you spent more time trying to give glory to God rather than yourself? Or maybe it's in class. What would it look like if you spent more time trying to give God glory than yourself rather than yourself? Or that meeting or your kids practice or on the field or on the court? How different would your life be if you spent your time living in such a way that you gave glory to God and not yourself? What would that look like? See, the truth is, God doesn't need your glory. He doesn't need you to give him praise. He doesn't need you to give him the recognition. But he sure does deserve it. I mean, that's the truth. See, as Christians, our whole life needs to be lived in a way that we give glory to God and God alone. That's how we should be living our life. Knowing that he came down from that throne room, came down to the dirt to save us. And he's our king, man. 
He's not just a friend. He's not just a dad. He's the most all-powerful king of the universe. And man, he deserves our glory and our praise and our worship. Let's pray. God, we, um, God, we thank you for coming down here to this nasty, evil place that we live in. You didn't have to. For some reason, you chose to. Don't understand that. But God, you came here to rescue us because we needed rescued. Every single one of us. None of us were, was good enough. And you did it. And you died for us. And Lord, we thank you for that so much. God, we ask that we go into this week and that we really like focus on the different areas in our life where we could give glory to you. Maybe those areas that we like to take glory for ourselves, God, and we give that to you, that praise. And we ask that you'd help us do this. And we need your help desperately for that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.